recording. Welcome to YouTube. Welcome to That's what it's going to be. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Tube Night, our generic TV show podcast. We're two TV show enthusiasts with no background or training in TV or film, but we love watching shows and then talking about the shows while laughing at our own jokes. This season, we're watching Star Trek, the original series, which I've seen before. And I haven't. And today we watched episode three, Charlie X. So um, pretty much, pretty much. Um, There's nothing super descriptive about the episode title to give away exactly what to expect, unlike maybe some hints that were given in previous episode titles, um, even though we got them so wrong while recording the episode. The intent was, you know, present in either version of the title, our interpretation or what it actually was versus Mm -hmm. Charlie X seems, you know, a little like X seems to imply there's something going on. But beyond that, it's just Charlie. And yeah, it's about Charlie. So uh, before we get started, I did want to acknowledge another um, boo-boo, so to speak, from the previous episode. I think we did the whole episode calling them... Professor and Nancy Carter, and I was looking at the Wikipedia just out of interest, and I think their names are actually Crater. So, oh, of course! <laughs> yes! <laughs> another, another, you know, just interpretation. Well, I mean, I don't think we made any claim, nor do we make any claim now of, like, Not accuracy. Yeah. Or- yeah. But as and when I can catch or, you know, we can catch the mistakes we've made, I do want to be transparent about it and not pretend, you know, it's all good whenever we say whatever we say. But just wanted to sort of get that out there, you know, whoops. (laughs) We'll try not to, but no guarantee. (laughs) Right. We cannot guarantee any sort of accuracy, but we will try and own our mistakes. Yeah, Yeah. as much as possible. (laughs) And, you know, it only took me three episodes to actually start trying to take notes during the episode yeah (laughs) that's a good that's a good call I was thinking about this episode in between us watching it and starting to record and thinking man this this might be a bit tough this is gonna be a bit tough so your notes were a really good idea (laughs) this is a a pretty packed episode and I think like considering if this is the second episode people audiences ever saw like this is a deep dive into what the show can be right oh yeah like last time i think you mentioned and i saw this on the wiki as well but basically you know the show was sort of conceived as being this space cowboy show which is what you're saying but that a real important part of the show's concept for the creator was including sort of that moral message or speaking about human morality and values and all that in every episode and the last one there was some of that there but like for whatever reason maybe this is unique to me and i'm being very sort of human centric and a lot of my empathy and morality but like the last episode was easier on that because it was about like we were talking about environmental issues and you know extinction and endangerment and like those are serious important issues but it doesn't necessarily for me personally strike home as hard as some of the morality that comes up in this episode oh man this episode hit really hard Um, right and the best part is like it's just, you know, you have a really easy time going through the episode. And I think it'll be obvious as we talk about the plot. And then in the last, like, not even five minutes, like the last two minutes, it's just like, bam, 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 bam. And you're sitting there thinking, oh, shit, that happened. And that was like (laughs) heartbreaking in some ways, but also like, damn, like there is no obvious right or wrong here. Right. And like, 
that kind of annoys me too because I like my shows to be very clear. <laughs> right. Yeah, like we're gonna right tie it wrong. up in a bow and there's yeah. none of that in this episode. We're gonna leave I it ambiguous. Enjoy that. And uh, yeah. Nope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend that I don't like things that make me think and like real life is very gray. I fully recognize that. A lot of things will end on a question mark or will not end up neat the way we would hope for it to. But hey. like I don't know. I just, and this might be another flaw of coming into the Star Trek um, show the way I am, where, you know, like you can't escape it. It exists in pop culture so thoroughly, where I may not know anything about the show, but like there's just a lot of preconceived notions that come with existing in this world. Like, you know, shows like Big Bang Theory, it's such, such, such a backdrop almost to have star trek watching individuals exist in the real world and like so you form your impressions of what the show is going to be and so to me coming into the show i guess this is something maybe that should have come up in the first episode for my impressions about the show i definitely thought it was lighthearted, and i definitely mm-hmm. thought it was adventure and fun times but at the end of the day all our friends are sitting around having coffee and being like oh we did that thing that was so fun like on to the next adventure and yeah. this episode disabused me of that <laughs> Right. Yeah, if the trap didn't like sort of, you know, tip you off a little bit, this would definitely put the nail in the coffin. It's like, no, like, it's entertainment, but we're going to make you think, we're going to make you feel um... (laughs) uncomfortable. More than anything else, you're going to make you feel uncomfortable. Because like, Um... even with Mantrap, like I said, the extinction issue, it did make me like uncomfortable. And I was in a very question mark sort of frame of mind towards the end of the episode being like, I don't know if we should have killed that creature. Like, that's yeah. not fair. It's just doing what it should do. But, like, mm. at the end of the day, we value human life above all else. Even as these space explorers whose job it is to explore space and, like, yeah. to then still continue to put human life above all else is interesting. Like, there yeah. is a lot of choice there that, you know, can be questionable. There's no obvious right or wrong, which in real life there rarely ever is. But still, you know, like when you are putting yourself out there and looking to explore this vast universe that, you know, humans are such a small part of. Right. To then continue to prioritize human continuity above all else, so to speak, is, is very morally gray. Right. Right. Yeah. Like you've, you know, you've gone out into this, this risky environment and, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe one of those risks with that environment is saying like, Hey, maybe I'm not, the yeah. most important here yeah yeah um, um but yeah do you want to get us started with the, the actual episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure so we open with um kirk's you know space log star log or whatever and they're mm-hmm. meeting up with the antares a space exploration probe ship thingery bob mm-hmm. and uh two officers and a teenage boy beam over um and they are trading off they're um delivering this young man over to the enterprise because the enterprise is going to be passing near earth colony five and that's where this young man is supposed to go um and we find out that he was stranded on a planet and lived there alone for 14 years um and crashed as as an infant as like a three-year-old and so now he's 17 he apparently taught himself to speak from his ship's memory banks, which were intact. Um, and by the time the food stores ran out, he started eating just what was ever, whatever was on the planet. Um, and now he's been picked up by the space 
probe mission and they're like oh like you know no one else survived this crash but you do have family members on earth colony five um we're gonna take you there mm-hmm. and so they drop the kid off and we immediately get some weird vibes Very from this guy child. he's like standing behind captain kirk and crossing his eyes at one point um mm-hmm. And uh, the two officers are very, very, very eager to leave. Yeah, they're just like, yep, like, okay, here's the, here's the boy and uh, peace out. Peace out, bitches. uh, Bye. And, you know, Kirk's like, what what do you mean? Like, you're, you you don't need supplies. We got, you know, we got stuff. Stuff. Do you you need (laughs) the stuff? And they're like, nope, thank you very much. Bye. (laughs) Bye. We will starve before we spend another minute in the presence of this child, apparently. (laughs) Who doesn't really look like a child, to be honest. I don't know. Like, he's supposed to be 17. Casting choices, makeup choices, costume choices. He, like, I don't get the the child vibe off of him or even, like, the gawky teenager vibe off of him. Um, And so that was kind of unfortunate because I feel like that, well, maybe not because we say, you know, we agree this episode packs a pretty emotional punch by the end so yeah. maybe if he had been obviously a child it would have been worse <laughs> it would have been harder yeah totally. i mean like maybe it also is in some ways reflective of what we understand to be his backstory at this point in the episode which is like yeah. he had to grow up by himself right, right. And, like, life hardens you and if he's mm. living on this like alien planet maybe that's part of how he may look a little older than he actually is potentially a rough childhood it is it is like foraging is not for the faint of heart i imagine right Right. so yeah so charlie evans is this child and the planet he was on was thesis or however you pronounce that something i think so yeah something to that effect but he's dropped off by the antares members who are you know peacing out as soon as they possibly can and i personally just want to make a comment on wardrobe choices at this point because kirk is wearing a very very fetching green shirt that i would very happily wear and be very happy to see him in and more all the time of this show like, yeah very very into it so uh, there's a v-neck sort of crossover thing going mm-hmm. on it's if like I a wrap top almost. yeah it's a wrap yeah. top with this v-neck so it's mm-hmm. coming down a little bit beauty uh-huh. it's beauty and then it's got like gold i want to say macrame but it's gold decorations around the edges and mm-hmm. on the shoulders it's it really um, brings out William Shatner's beauty. He's he's a pretty man, and he's I think a, he is. I like oh his gosh. pretty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Charlie is um, sort of like taken on a tour, so to speak, or not not quite yet. Sorry. So um, while he's still sort of chit chatting with Kirk after the Antares people have vanished asap, you have um, Yeoman. Janice, Janice Rand. Janice Rand, yeah. And she's a lady. She's a, she's a lady. Blonde lady. And a blonde lady with beautiful hair and nice yeah, leaves like and a short skirt. Hair. I know, I love her hair. It's so freaking yeah. weird. <laughs> um, but Charlie's like immediately enamored because yeah. it, we basically learn he, I mean, of course he's grown up alone, but even this apparent crew members he's encountered have all been men. And this is the first female he's encountered. He's like, is this a girl? Girl? Yeah, and I would also just like to, for my own enjoyment, like to mention that this is the same yeoman who ate half a Sulu salad. Yes! <laughs> Eating so. Sulu salad. Oh, Janice, yes. you're such a wrecking ball. <laughs> <laughs> she does what she wants. Um, but yeah, so Charlie's super into her. And just as a general principle, we're learning that he's like very, very desperate to be liked. He's very big on 
being nice, whatever that means to him, which yeah. we'll learn is he's a very, very yeah. weird meeting. <laughs> yeah, he's very concerned with people liking him. He's very um, concerned with people liking him, but also with them demonstrating that they like him in ways that are acceptable to him. So like, he's not obviously unsurprisingly, he's not very well versed in like, you know, sarcasm or teasing or or joking or any of those, like he's very cut and dry. It's very literal for him. What being liked and liking should look like. Yeah. And it's very, like, it's familiar as like an adolescent, you know, you're sensitive. You don't take teasing very well because you're still trying to figure out who you are, but, um, Mm -hmm. but it comes off as like particularly, um, uh particularly developed in him that sensitivity to and and, you know that makes sense if we're to believe what we have heard so far in that he's grown up isolated like a lot of that is dependent on interaction with others totally like at one point he says you know i don't know the rules um and that really resonated with me i was like oh mate like i totally feel you i I know those situations where you're in a group of people you don't know what the rules are and it's yeah and but you're expected to sort of work by them right and operate in mind yeah but yeah so um he gets tossed over to bones to just like for medical tests and they're seem to be no concerns at this point he's a he's healthy like... vital 17 year old man <laughs> can we pause for a second and just like um comment on like the medical technology yeah. Serious like biking. He's, he's biking and he's like on his back and the bike is set up in the wall or something and it's yeah. just like oh la future la technologie de la future like, like how is this a, is a more accurate evaluation of whatever metric this is measuring than bikes today but then, you know like you know regular bike but it's got to be space and it's got to be the future so the bike's on the wall like <laughs> i would have hoped that future you know bike tests are not bike tests at all and it's just like you stick a probe somewhere and then you're like yep you're healthy your heart works it does <laughs> probe what it needs to. up your butt <laughs> i you didn't know. say that but i 100 knew I'll you would take it. it there i'll say it <laughs> i knew but, it i saw it coming but probe returns normal results you're perfectly healthy able but to- like you know that seems like a space thing and especially a space thing pre well, especially but her representation of space yeah exactly <laughs> like 80s space representation 60s space representation very very much up the butt pro valley in my yeah opinion. right but yeah like, so yeah. he passes anyway. these tests and um kirk who sort of is starting to be positioned as his father figure to charlie asks for bones to give him like the like puberty talk essentially the puberty talk, yeah which is hilarious they're so yeah. awkward about it he's yeah. just like you know what is it he says something about like the troubles or the of adolescence. problems of adolescence i think it's the, the ways of adolescence of, yeah, yeah and bones is just kind of like uh you do it, you do it. <laughs> yeah. and kirk's like nope i'm the captain i don't have to do it if i don't watch yeah. it <laughs> and this is also like just an interesting moment for me as a new watcher of the show because it does make you realize that there aren't a lot of young people on the ship necessarily right. nor are they in a position where you know their supervisors or their seniors have to like um like groom them in a non-creepy way but like right. you know basically like, teach parents. them the ways of adulthood right yeah like there's not yeah. i mean we do meet a young, a young yeah. later who presumably is an adult so you know she's gonna be at least 18 or 19 um, she doesn't, I really can't get a read on her age, actually. Um, well, so she's that was, supposed to be his age, according right, to Right, so I'm assuming, like, okay, she's 18 or 19 kind of thing, like, yeah. legal adult. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, we don't see, there's definitely not children on this ship. Uh, you know, you're kind of 
assuming that everybody here is an adult. So none of these people may really have experience with parenting anyone because who knows, like maybe they don't have uh, any have kids. Like, mm-hmm. And, you know, they shouldn't have to necessarily. Like mm-hmm. you wouldn't have a 19 year old working at, I don't know, let's say the library or, you know, a grocery store expecting for their supervisor to be like, oh, these are the confusing feelings you're feeling right now. Right. Let me help exactly. you navigate them, right? Because yeah. we have hopefully a a support circle outside of work that's able to provide that for them but right. you know, you're having to do this for this rescue basically child yeah yeah so it's kind of funny it's like oh yeah that's right like that's it's not a very interesting a universal scarcity yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and like you know you can't really criticize bones or kurt for not wanting to take this on because it right. doesn't make up what they expected their responsibilities no. to no yeah, like it's tough. Like, yeah. <laughs> <young> yeah. <people. laughs> so Charlie views somebody working on the ship and he views male camaraderie as being smacking each other on your bum when you're like leaving the room, I guess, or when you're acknowledging a job well done. So, yeah, it's two techs who come out yeah. of a, a hole and they're like, you know, one of them's like, okay, well, I'm going to do this. And then, you know, I'll meet you afterwards and we'll hang out basically. Bumps and the other, <laughs> yeah, and the other guy's like, okay, cool. And smacks him on the butt and leaves, which I had to laugh because I remember when I first saw this episode um, in uni, seeing that interaction and just being thrown by it because like, I don't think I've actually ever viewed two men or even adolescent men smacking each other on the butt yeah. that way i was like is this an american thing um i think it's a sports thing it's a, my yeah. understanding i think it's a sports thing but i can't be sure of it and i definitely right. think it may have been a thing in previous years and maybe is less of a thing now right because um, of yeah. our understanding of space and boundaries and right stuff. like I, yeah i definitely think like since then i may have seen it like in the context of football games yeah. of like great job smack <laughs> yeah like it's, it's just a camaraderie thing but like yeah. I guess to Charlie who's grown up without any what we think human interaction it's new it's different right and so he like runs into Yeoman yes. Rand again and Cannon. interacts with her and smacks her on the bum which she tells him that that's not cool bro but, refuses but she to doesn't tell him, tell him why, why. <laughs> she's like go yeah. talk to Kirk this is not my job <laughs> which is like you know jesus people like stop punching the football around and just like you don't they're all just like so awkward and uncomfortable and nobody seems to want to do it and like everybody just sort of defers to you're the captain it's your problem not ours this is above my pay grade basically right and and like we do see kirk try and explain it and he does an awful job of it he's just like between a man and a man it's it's one thing and a man and a woman it's another do you understand it's like no i didn't even get that (laughs) i didn't even understand what you said kirk (laughs) yeah but um this is also the only time in my life i have on my own spotted a continuity error so I was very proud of myself but when he's explaining this to um Charlie he's back in a golden shirt and then when they go back to the bridge moments later he's back in his green shirt goof caught well done I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna stand by my explanation at the moment which was uh he changed in the elevator (laughs) as one does you know as one does he was wearing one shirt under the other you just couldn't tell because they're so well tailored to his shape yeah well the yellow one's a sweater and he just took the sweater <laughs> off and the green one was underneath layering. It's a very, thing. Okay. very possible Seems <laughs> very probable, actually, I should admit. But anyhow, so at this point, the crew members are just chilling in this hangout room and Spock's playing an instrument and Nuhura apparently just tends to start humming stuff and spontaneously singing. So we get a musical number. Yeah, it's it's an interesting musical number. I wouldn't say it's my my kind of music, but it's music. Sure, she sings and yeah, you know, Spock she's is, is yeah. Spock is playing his space harp. 
space mm-hmm. or space. And she's, she's basically like it's essentially limerick-esque in that she's like commenting on and making fun of in in good spirits obviously about the people around her and she starts to sing about charlie who enters the room and charlie's not cool with that for some reason and really wants um janice's attention to show her his card tricks and at one point does something to silence uhura who can't put Suddenly out any can't. noise anymore yeah. Yeah, which is very uncomfortable to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's like, yeah, there's a lot there <laughs> in that scene, which maybe didn't exist in in the 60s, but definitely exists now. I was very um, I was very uncomfortable with a lot of the scene, just period, just because of yeah. like the whole like, you know, who they chose to be the person singing and like the prelude to it is very much people are like, oh, you is just humming again or singing again and like I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but there are like historical references to certain communities, you know, communicating through song or having yeah. greater tendency to sing. And was this a stereotypical thing to do? I don't know. Mm. Could a man have been singing? Possibly. Like there's a bit of a cabaret vibe, which I personally didn't appreciate a lot. But again, maybe reading into it way too much. But mm. this like teenager shutting the woman up essentially was not pleasant not my not something that I was very like at ease with no little triggering there (laughs) yeah and then um he shows Janice some card tricks tricks, which which, I think it's our first hint at like the true extent of what this kid is starting to do do in his mind yeah because so far we've only really had hints of it but him like silencing Uhura and then he's basically I think to some extent either changing the cards or changing people's perception of the cards Right. very thoroughly um we we i'm creeped out and like we're supposed to be attentive now and like observant of what it is that he's capable of doing because these tricks are like super improbable they're not just magician tricks right mm-hmm. the cards are moving they're transforming transmorphing whatever you want to call it. but anyway so um it's after this when charlie and kirk have their conversation about why bump smacking is not okay with um the opposite gender and you know the the shirt continuity goof and then they go to the bridge and there's a distress signal from the Antares ship but it suddenly just gets cut off and as says the audience there's like a pan over to Charlie's face so we're aware that it's probably Charlie's doing yeah but through this interaction we find out that Antares has pretty much been destroyed I didn't fully understand even after the later explanation what happened exactly but basically there's only debris left now yeah um it the way I interpret it was there was a like a panel that was um you know like maybe part of the engine core or something that was uh you know keeping the ship <laughs> protected mm-hmm. from one of its components and he made that panel disappear and so then you know radiation or heat or whatever can escape and destroy the ship. It's basically like I don't know like the challenger tile coming off of the um right actually no I don't I don't know. <laughs> Never mind no that idea. analogy. It's like some part, like a, a heat shield, basically has been removed by Charlie, and that means that the ship can now explode. Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> and and it does, and it's a bunch of debris at that point. And Charlie, like Spock later, alludes to the fact that he got the sense that Charlie already knew this before they confirmed it. Right. Um, and yet the, he has his suspicions about the boy. Right. But the real, like you know, sort of the real tip-off <laughs> to the rest of the crew is right before. Um, Kirk and Charlie have their no slapping butts conversation. Kirk is saying to the cook, um, it's Thanksgiving Day on Earth, so if the crew has to eat synthetic meatloaf, I'd like it to look like turkeys today, <laughs> which is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. 
And uh, so the we're now back on the bridge and the Antares has blown up and we figured out that like, you know, it's not there anymore. And then the cook like wires up or calls up to the bridge and says, sir, I put meatloaf in the oven and now they're turkeys, real turkey. <laughs> and they're alive, right? I thought they were live turkey. I don't know. I kind of assumed they were dead, but it like it had transformed into a roast, you know, like a roast turkey. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so that's kind of like supposed to be our, you know, next clue us right. to we get a zoom in on kirk's face of yeah. like what is going on it's like yeah. Dar, dar, dar. <laughs> yeah and then we cut over to kirk and spock playing 3d chess which uh seems like a very star trek thing i think it's part of <laughs> common pop culture these days and probably derived from this show mm-hmm. So we get our <laughs> intro to 3D chess and Kirk and Spock are playing and Spock is uh, judgy of Kirk's move, but then Kirk checkmates him and is like, your illogical ways do have their advantage. And <laughs> Kirk's apparently... like, I prefer inspire. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, I don't understand how that makes sense because, like, I have recently watched Queen's Gambit and based on that show my understanding of chess is like a good chess player who I assume Spock should be can see moves coming like you know 10 15 20 moves ahead of time so whether they're illogical or not when you see things happening should you not be able to calculate exactly potentially where they're going or am I giving Spock way too much credit no well like what I've read um and I saw some of Queen's Gambit uh but what I've also read about professional chess players is they actually study historical games because they they keep records of them and so you can you know it's pattern recognition you'll see the pieces align on the the board and be like oh this is like this game in 1973 between so and so this is how the person won so I just need to do the same thing and and that's like a, a super oversimplification and I apologize to all professional chess people that I've probably like simplified it to the point of being insulting but because they're all listening yeah I know so sorry (laughs) but like my point is is like you would expect if Spock is the chess master that he would be familiar with a lot of the the strategies or or the plays or whatever right and maybe it's just that 3d chess is just so much larger from a combinatorial yeah. perspective yeah, that you probably can't more possibly know all yeah. of the no- the winning strategies or or layouts or whatever but at but yeah. some point there's no such thing really as like from the human mind at least true random right like everything right. at the end of the day is falling just like a rarer pattern so yeah anyway just Spock, a funny <laughs> funny sort of comment to make because like logical or not illogical or not i would imagine someone who is practiced in chess would be good at pattern recognition of the kind that right. it would take to recognize even illogical moves. But yeah. anyway, so Spock, how did you let us down? <laughs> well, of course, Kirk had to has to win at something sometime because yes. he is our golden boy, right? Like That's you right. can't have him not be the best at everything at least part of the time. Okay. But he wins the 3D <laughs> chess, and Charlie wants to play, and Kirk pieces out in a hurry <laughs> yeah that seems to be, like that's becoming a reoccurring theme is people yeah. are just like peace out and run away <laughs> yep and charlie plays with spock spock tries to explain the rules to him charlie refuses he says he knows he's watched people or watched memory banks or whatever and loses pretty much instantaneously and has a bit of a temper tantrum over it after spock leaves the room he like mind melts all the pieces in anger and that's kind of like the most literal display of his power that we as the audience see like it's the most immediate cause and effect um power display shown so far whereas the rest there may be other potential sort of like 
or at least this is the most destructive display right. of power, I guess. Yeah, like up until this point, it's been like, okay, well, it's card tricks and, um, you yeah. know, changing meatloaf into turkey, but now it's like you've just- well, also some taking things. Horace's voice away, but you know. Right, so, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah that too. <laughs> but less like in a fit of temper tantrum anger to the point of like, you know, a flash of melting plastic or whatever the pieces are made of, right? Like, yeah. I don't know, there's something more graphic about the way this played out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a so, physical thing. Yeah. And then we have um, him run into Janice again. And at this point, Janice is trying to introduce him to someone named Tina, who is closer to Charlie's age. And, you know, she's like, this is more appropriate for you. And he's super mean to Tina, saying, I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I need to speak to you right now. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, I, I was thinking, like, the the appropriate response is like, hi, Tina, very nice to meet you. I'm sorry, Janice, can I speak to you right now? Like, that's all exactly. it needs to be, and that doesn't yeah. happen. But to his credit, he's never interacted with people to the extent No, exactly. Um, but Tina's feelings are hurt, and she's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go over somewhere where I'm wanted. Wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and then I <laughs> Charlie comes on to Rand, and in my notes, I've, I've uh, capitalized some of these words. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so basically, he tells Rand that he's very into her in very creepy words about her smell and loving her and And wanting her and and he hungers for her and it's like it yeah like it uh it's um, it's a strong display of affection for someone we're supposed to think has never interacted with other women before and it's like come out with us right and he's 17 um but like was there porn on the memory banks like where is right. he sort of getting these words from or these behaviors from is it based yeah. on memories that were stored in this bank which seems interesting or is yeah. that just sort of like supposed to be our understanding of just sort of what's the word primal boy instincts right yeah like, you feel like yeah. hunger is the right word to use in these situations yeah i don't yeah i don't know it's very it, he's obviously experiencing very powerful emotions and doesn't seem to have a lot of control over them so it's kind of like mm. alarm bells janice run away <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a lot it's a lot um but yeah and then janice is not cool with it understandably she's very off put and initially we like when we see her leave that conversation she's like biting her lip and i'm like are you into it <laughs> yeah that was also kind of weird it was like yeah. is that and there's some ambiguous ambiguous yeah. on her part but that's like thankfully but, no. but thankfully mere moments later she's like bitching to kirk about how inappropriate it is and like kirk doesn't seem super sympathetic to it he's very yeah. much like he's a teenage boy you should be fine with it and she's like i'm gonna hurt him and i was really hopeful she meant physically but i'm pretty sure she meant with her words by you know breaking his heart but i hope she meant i'm punching him out but anyway Um, she says she doesn't want to hurt him (laughs) and and like it's um i don't like it you know on the one hand it's like god like women caring about men's feelings but it's also like i feel like she's the most at that moment really in tune with Mm -hmm. um charlie as a young man who has not had you know, yeah. social interaction. She says it's not a good time for him. Yeah. Um, like this to have his really, heart broken. To like, have his heart broken. And it's yeah. like, and it just like again, you know, it's kind right, of maternal. like oh, it's maternal and it's also just like, thank you, Janice, for like being a bit more, I don't know, empathetic to him or like conscious yeah. of um, and not just sort of being boys will be boys about it right, like, right exactly seeing um, that puberty is not just biological change, it's also emotional, emotional change. change. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, yeah. yeah she's, like she, she's actually comes off as a very strong character in this. Very episode. strong and like yeah. astute, I would say. Emotionally yeah. astute. Very much um, so. Like, in that moment. Lots of and, respect for her. Yeah, yeah. Janice with your great Well, hair. she doesn't put up with any shit either, like uh, later yeah. on in the episode, right? Which, yeah. again, I don't know if I'm like projecting or, you know, over blowing things out of proportion about what I perceive to be issues back in that time. But like, there is a lot of media that represents women as being like, you know, compliant or yeah. sort of not not feeling confident to stand up to evil male gazes or whatever the case yeah. might be, right? But she comes off as a very strong, confident woman who doesn't take no shit from no man, basically, right? Doesn't, and like, yeah, exactly. I respect the sh- I respect the hell out of that, and that's really really yeah. admirable to me as as like a representation of not a lot of women characters in the show, but you know, the few that there are are impressive women. Yeah, um, and to kind of piggyback off on that. Uh, like I think right after that um, Kirk's like well yeah Kirk's like okay fine I'll talk to him and so yeah. t- takes him aside and says hey like these chess pieces was this you um, and let's talk about Janice mm-hmm. and and like he's it, it's so refreshing because I feel like we've just been bombarded with a shit ton of stupid movies where the message is if you're a man and you like a woman you just gotta wear her down and mm-hmm. she'll say yes. Whereas Kirk is like, no, like the her feelings matter too. It's not just what you want, it's what she wants. And mm-hmm. you gotta go slow and you gotta be gentle. And like there's very much of like this is not you don't have any inherent right to her affection, you know. Yeah. You have to respect her as a person, which is like, oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you, Kirk. Like this feels great. <laughs> there was there was a moment of like, uh, is that enough though for me? Because like Charlie follows up with, Well, I'll just be gentle with Janice. And like right. there wasn't necessarily yeah. clarity in that, like not everything you want is something you can work towards, right? Right. In that like just being gentle is not enough. And right. so like Charlie's very insistent that he just wants Janice and nothing more. And so to me, like it's a good start and it is yes. important. And again, keeping it in context of when it was made, it's great. But there could be there could more, have been a right? more. like this is this yeah. is sort of touching on the conversation about consent, but it could potentially have gone further. But again, making yeah. concessions uh- for time yeah, yeah like it. you know kirk could have followed up with you know his um charlie's comment of i'll be gentle and kirk could be like well you can be as gentle as you want she's still allowed to say no yeah and exactly. and and you might not get what you want like and that's yeah. not it's not as explicit as as i would have loved for it to be but yeah. i'm also like like you said i am appreciative of it being discussed at all in the capacity that it was discussed yeah but yeah, so Kirk mentions there are things he can and cannot have and that he'll survive the rejection and essentially chooses to try and channel, you know, Charlie's like anxiety energies. and pent up <laughs> energies through combat and takes him to the gym. No. <laughs> well, he teaches him how to fall and yeah, fight, right? Yeah. And so he's like, he wants to teach him defense before he teaches him offense. And it just seems like a way to distract and divert his attention from his yeah. like teen angst over Rand. Um, and Charlie seems more keen on learning how to actually fight rather than defensive moves. And so yeah. Kirk demos a few punch and roll type things with another member. Sam. Yeah. And then Charlie's like, I'm ready for this shit. And so him and Kirk do this really, you know, entertaining dance fight for yeah. a few seconds and turning <laughs> in around tights. in circles, like with twinkle toes, essentially. Yeah. And uh, then Kirk tosses him. Yeah, and then a crew member laughs because it was a very adorable dance fight. But... Right, and and like, I mean, it it's not, you know, I definitely don't side with Sam laughing. I'm like, bro, like, 
come on, he's sensitive. Don't do that. Um, Sam doesn't know though, right? Like why should Sam know how sensitive this crazy psychic child is to everything? Like it is, it is on the verge of bullying. I fully recognize that, but you're not going to really fully understand the extent of the reaction that actually was received. Yeah. But Charlie is not okay. He's so mad and he's like so unappreciative. Don't laugh at me. And then basically disappears Sam. Like Sam just vanishes into thin air. Sam is totally gone. All you see is his towel. And Kirk is like, what happened to him? And Charlie's like, he laughed at me. He's gone. Duh. Like, you shouldn't laugh at people. Like, this is such a logical reaction, obviously. (laughs) Like, how don't you know this? (laughs) I didn't mean to do that, but he's gone, gone. And, you know, Kirk is pissy now, obviously, because his crew member is... Has vanished. Like, totally oh, vanished. I was thinking, like, so how do you like report that to Starfleet? Yeah. He just like, like disappeared. So crewman Sam, I don't know whatever his last name was. Crewman Sam, uh, in an incident in the recreation room, mm-hmm. he disappeared. <laughs> he, what do you mean disappeared? Kirk? He just he, he gone. He gone, man. We don't like, even have a body. Well, like where though? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much pretty much and so (laughs) Kirk is mad and he's like Charlie go to your quarters and Charlie like immediately seems very nervous about getting hurt and this is maybe one of the few moments prior to the end of the episode where I'm nervous for him because like this is sort of the reaction of someone who's been abused or harmed before so he's very very nervous about getting hurt and if you've lived alone like how do you know what what other people hurting you could look like or mean like is this just sort of your innate sense of self you know self-preservation survival-based fear or is it someone has hurt you because we still don't know exactly what you were living like on that planet but he's like extremely nervous and he says if they hurt me I'll make them go too um and this scene I did want to mention made an incredible use of lighting in my opinion to just focus in (laughs) on charlie's crazy eyes and there's like a lot of slow movement of the camera like super slow pans and you know the pace of this episode was a little faster than the previous one but there were slow portions but i feel like they were used to effect at least in this particular episode but you see his creepy eyes and every time he talks he makes his eyes huge Huge. and like he's got like super super fashionable 2019 to 2021 bushy eyebrows as well and so like they really frame his eyes and you're like yeah this guy's eyes mean business (laughs) Business. yeah and it's like oh i mean i love it um it's that uh, for our viewers who or our listeners who haven't viewed the episode or don't remember, it's that technique of like throwing shadows on the rest of the character's face, except for like a bar kind mm-hmm. of across the eye area. And so like the eyes just pop out. And it's kind of like, I mean, it was a little jarring in this scene because mm-hmm. it's like, well, where are the shadows coming from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it of course pulls attention to the eyes and the eyebrows. And mm-hmm. so, you know, heightens the drama and the tension. There's it's a struggle of wills between Captain yep. Kirk and Charlie. Charlie, the teenager who's just destroyed while disappeared. Yeah. Sam, the laughing Jim And it's a guy. throwback to a comment we've made in the first episode about how, like, a lot of the acting is very theater acting rather than, yes. you know, video camera filmed acting. And yeah. at this point, like, his expressiveness with his eyes is very much reminiscent of what I would expect to be theatrical acting yeah. on a stage to, like, yeah. project what you're trying to convey. But, yeah, so... Um, Kirk then gets a notification over the comm system that all the weapons in the ship have disappeared. So he's requesting a meeting with Spock and Bones. And at that point, Spock brings up again something he's mentioned previously, asking if Charlie 
is yes. in fact human, like, or is he a Thasian, which are the inhabitants of the planet that Charlie was living alone on for 14 years. Which I get the sense, maybe I missed this, but like the Thasians, like there doesn't seem to be a lot of knowledge about them. Like supposedly they have like telekinetic powers and can manipulate matter, but we don't really know. It, did I get that right? Or I feel like there's more they could learn about them, but I feel okay. like just like from the very first instance, because I, I mean, we didn't mention it right then, but when Charlie is first brought on board from that planet, when I knew what planet he's brought on from, it was mainly because Spock immediately asks, are we sure he's actually human and not Thasian? Oh, okay. And it suggests that he has an idea of what Thasians are pop- you know, capable of, and some right. of it okay. is maybe like confusing people. It may not be a fully well-founded set of information, but... Right. At this point is when Spock like builds on what he seems to have knowledge of about the Thasians and says they can transmute objects, they can transform things, they can teleconnect, tele, uh, participate in telekinesis. And he raises the question again about if Charles, Charlie is Thasian and Bones like Bones says at this point that his developments are exactly like humans. So is it something in between or is it like a way of, I don't know if he actually explicitly said this, but what I understood was basically like, is he making us believe he's human because somehow he's able to mimic human development so closely. Right. Yeah. Like Bones doesn't really come out and say, yes, he's human. It's like, no, like he matches the definition of human in a sense, which is kind of a funny way of putting it, but raises that ambiguity of like, well, we don't actually know. Like if the Thasians are sort of all powerful, they could be deceiving us. And Hey, like we just came from an episode where we were deceived by Nancy crater, also known as like the octopus face sucker. (laughs) <laughs> We've come from two episodes of illusions, right? right? Like this yeah. seems to be a, a very common theme across the episodes, which is a little bit creepy because like to think about how what you're seeing is not what's there yeah. is a scary like, prospect, right? If you totally. sit down and think about it. But yeah. at this point, Spock basically suggests that maybe it's Charlie who is responsible for what happened on Antares. And, yeah. you know, he doesn't necessarily understand life. And maybe that's why he doesn't necessarily value it. And he's essentially a boy in a very powerful man's body yeah. trying to be that man. But he has this, like, crazy strong weapon. And, like, at the moment, they're okay because he seems to continue to respect Kirk's authority. But, you know, when and when Kirk asks Charlie about the what happened to the Antares he admits that he's he got rid of it essentially right and he's like they weren't nice to me they wanted to get rid of me and so essentially justifying what happens to them yeah um so then Kirk basically asks him what he's gonna do to them and essentially is I guess doing a risk analysis in that situation about you know whether he should agitate Charlie further or not or you know try and take control of the situation by asserting his authority and Charlie just says he doesn't know which is almost like the most sinister <laughs> response a villain can give you in this really? circumstance right <laughs> like I'll do whatever the hell I want <laughs> right like um you have no idea you haven't gotten like a firm like yes or no answer you're just exactly suspended in su- suspense <laughs> yeah because you're not threatening them with something in particular you're right. kind of like threatening them with the anticipation of something of maybe going wrong yeah totally like yeah. it's you know uncertainty is freaking scary and Absolutely. he plays that card um to fantastic effect <laughs> like, in a super manipulative capacity which seems beyond the what you would assume as like a human being, the abilities of someone who hasn't been socialized in the way that humans right. happen, right? So it's like, is this like an innate antisocial tendency? Is this like a Thasian thing? Totally. But 
pretty sinister. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're on the bridge right now. And uh, Uhura is doing her calm things on the calm panel. Mm-hmm. And Manning the calm panel. Communicating. He <laughs> uh, <laughs> gets electrocuted all of a sudden. And she confirms that in her expert opinion, there's no reason for this to happen. Yeah, because she checked indeed. it. Yeah, she, checked she checked it. it. Not, like, not half an hour ago, she checked exactly. it. It shouldn't be short-circuiting. It's, it's yeah. totally fine. Um, and like Kirk has basically instructed his bridge members to essentially change course and not take the ship towards... Um, I can't remember, is it Alpha 5 or... Like it's Earth Colony 5 or something, very generic. Like the, the yeah. destination where Charlie's family, extant yes. family or whatever, his existing family is supposed to be. Um, and I think at this point, Kirk has realized like, nope, like yeah. we can't, we can't in, you know, they would be horribly irresponsible to take him exactly. to that colony or, or put anyone else anywhere near him. Mostly because there's just no understanding the extent to which this you know in quotes kid can go in his like moments of extreme emotion right like there's no guarantee you could talk yeah. him out of more murder essentially yeah and like you know we've just finished talking about how he has a whole bunch of power and you know he may not have control of that power in a yeah. in a capacity where he knows how not to use it which is an equivalent or an equally va- important lesson when you right. have you know the whole great power great responsibility spiel, right but yeah yeah he might have like control over it in the sense that yeah. he can use his power to do what he wants but exactly. he doesn't have the opposite side of control which is to not use it when like he... restraint yeah he exactly have restraint. Restraint. exactly yeah. um, um so charlie's not a fan of this redirection plan at all and he like starts to jam communication he's essentially with his brain manipulating everything everyone on the bridge is trying to do to follow orders from their captain and like in a in a very cruel turn of events he essentially starts to control spock when spock is trying to give kirk relevant information and makes him recite like nursery rhyme type poetry poetry yeah and it's horrifying because like it's clearly like spock doesn't want to be saying that but he's stuck saying you know tiger tiger burning bright right like charlie's taken over like the helm so they can't change course they can't communicate and now like spock who i think like even this early in the series i think you know it's been established that he's like calm he's pretty logical mm-hmm. you know he's like the crew rely on him he and commands suddenly, a lot of respect already right and, and like he's the, not available anymore he's not well you know, you're also infantilizing him a little bit right totally. by like making him say this exactly like it seems very pointed in a way and i don't think it's meant to be like i don't think you're supposed to assume charlie is doing that specifically because it's spock i think he just finds it amusing he's right like, it's like a party trick to him but yeah. the consequence of that is just so much again so sinister and like so leering to think that this person of authority who you know for all intents and purposes is just as valid a candidate for captaincy but based mm-hmm. on what i've seen of him so far like he's a very level-headed and knowledgeable person to see him reduced to being on like his knees on the ground reciting this nursery rhyme that you know like other people coming on board are like you know he's reciting nonsense to me and considering it like an act of disrespect because mm-hmm. it's so not obvious that his mind control like it just smoothly occurs yeah. it's yeah. just it's very very just uncomfortable and like at that point i think is when you get a true sense we've, we've known about charlie's power and you've known it's, yeah it's a lot but you get sort of a sense of its 
possi- the possibility of it being misused in a like cruel way right Right. yeah exactly like it's not i mean you know murdering the the crew of the space probe ship the Mm. antares i think it was called um you know that's horrible but there isn't a sense of cruelty there he just like ends them they disappear yeah but now he's toying with spock like it's it's horribly cruel it's like playing you know how you have in the lion king um scar is like playing with his food or something and Zazie yeah. is getting in trouble about it and like the lion eating its prey is a very natural course of events if you think about it ecologically but like Zazie was basically criticizing that act of playing with the food and it's not at all the same magnitude and not really even an equivalent example but just that's just what it made me think of of like isn't not to say death is natural or murdering people who are kind no. to you is natural but like it still at least computes as a reaction that you expect this child to have because he is so put off by people being unkind to him or feeling unwanted or not being liked so like to him that seems like a natural way to respond in that situation so you kind of accept that as a natural response from him but this isn't like Spock didn't do anything to him right yeah right Spock Um, isn't targeting him he's not being cruel he's just doing his job and like not necessarily even saying anything that Kirk doesn't already know on some level so yeah to have that response is interesting yeah Charlie's not lashing out now he's being calculating and that's again very terrifying (laughs) Uh he's playing games because he can't yeah yeah um kirk intervenes and uh has a bit of a power struggle with charlie it's all in the eyes though it's not physical and uh convinces charlie to stand down and charlie um leaves the bridge and encounters tina the young yeoman that janice tried to introduce him to is like hey Mm -hmm. the person who's your age and he kind of looks at her she looks at him and then he turns her into an iguana (laughs) which is not okay that upset me i know it's like she's like come on you were an ass to her and then you turn her into a lizard she did nothing to you and you know what like I don't even know why this feels worse than disappearing her because like I think with the disappearing it there's almost a hope that they're just sort of being like transposed elsewhere but like this iguana feels like you know I don't know like he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who looks at lizard species as being very highly respectable so it's almost like you know you're you're that's the level I see you at and I'm gonna like make your physical form reflect how lowly I consider you are it was just so like this is this is exactly the point of the episode where I think the the cruelty and like the discomfort starts ramping up like real totally. hard. There's not a lot of yeah. episode left, but it just gets really, really it just, intense. Right. It starts escalating. Um, because again, yeah, like it's not, you know, disappearing somebody, it's kind of like, I don't know. Um, like this is getting super morbid. But like in, mm-hmm. you know, like a modern perspective, we think of like execution as as punishment like it's the deprivation of life right like Mm -hmm. that's the punishment we don't torture people Mm -hmm. um it's just like well whatever time you had you don't have it anymore Mm -hmm. um whereas like you go back to like the middle ages and torture was a big part of it like you're gonna die and that's gonna be the relief at the end but first we're gonna be really freaking cruel to you and chop you up in the little bits blah 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 um and so, yeah, like being turned into a lizard seems like unbelievably cruel mm-hmm. compared to like just disappearing somebody. Like you murdered them, but they're gone. Like if you don't believe in an afterlife, they're not suffering. Like they're just yeah. not there anymore. Whereas, like, is she is she a lizard? Does she? Is she does I hope she, she think? turns back. We don't yeah, know. Well, but we get well, no resolution really on that, do we? No explicit resolution with her, um, but we do get resolution with the others. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
And yeah, just um, why, like, it retrospectively makes me wish she was disappeared because there is an explicit resolution on at least enough of a of a population of the disappeared folk for us to know that they're fine, right? Really, yeah. Comes well, to it. like, I mean, we'll get to it in a minute, but um, I have a feeling that uh, she's fine. She gets turned so. back back into her teenage self um, so. and does not spend very long as a lizard. Um, but, but also, okay. at this point, Spock is basically cautioning. Kirk of the fact that you know he's listened to you now we don't know but, how long this is going to last and yeah. you kind of have to basically leverage that to see how we can keep everyone safe yeah and like and yeah like also that maybe like a tipping point has been reached that mm-hmm. to challenge him explicitly now you're not going to win like mm-hmm. you know we've pushed him too far he's gone too far that you know you save this this time but it's not going to work the Absolutely. next time and on the sort of heels of turning Tina into an iguana, Charlie's, I think he's sort of like also starting to get too big for his boots, essentially, in that, you know, yeah. he's like starting to I sort of get a high off that power. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. And he's not exercising caution in the way that he was in earlier on in the episode. And he's like kind of getting a high off knowing he can do whatever he wants. You know, in his opinion, he doesn't see any sort of like potential downfall. He doesn't see any Achilles heels. He thinks he's got this. Like, there's yeah. nobody who can take over. And on on that swagger, like on that high, he goes into Janice's quarters, and you know, she's sitting in this like very <laughs> odd <laughs> dress that I couldn't tell if it was lingerie or if this is just like a dress she wears to chill at home. Or I, I would say I'm gonna call it loungewear. I'm just right. gonna say it's loungewear. It's very drapey. I think it's only on one shoulder. It feels kind of Grecian, you know. It's a and then frilly. Yeah, and her hair is down, and it's a pretty. It's a pretty. I don't want to say livid pink, but it is quite pink. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and she's she's chilling in her quarters doing her thing, and he just barges in, and mm-hmm. she lays the smack down. It's fantastic. She's like, I love her. I um, love her in the scene. You so need much. to knock, and you know, it's not okay. You don't ever, you know, come in um, like that again. And he's like, don't ever lock your door against me. And she's like, I'll do what I please. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna lock my door if I want to. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then she, you know, he starts saying like he loves her and is basically gearing up to like force himself on her. And she turns on the communicator um, so that the people on the bridge can eavesdrop and hear. So they immediately hear what's happening. Um, Kirk and, and the rest on the bridge can hear that things are not going well um, in Janice's quarters. And so they rush down um, to, to help her because it's, you know, who knows what's going to happen now. Um, and uh, Charlie moves in. I think just as Kirk and Spock get through the door, he moves mm-hmm. in and they Janice winds yeah. up and slaps him. And it's a thing of beauty because she's just like, I have had it. <laughs> she knows how to stand up for herself. Like, I got to say, there was moments here and there, not necessarily specifically in this episode, but over the course of the three episodes we've seen where yeah. you have sort of an inkling of, you know, woe is me type of female characters. Like, any protection, save me from myself. And, like, there's some amount of authority in who they are because of the positions they hold on the ship. But there is mm-hmm. still sort of a very, very thin veneer of, like, you know, I am a, I am sub- subject to other people's, like, direction sometimes, I guess, mm-hmm. for lack of a better way for me, myself to think of how to say it. But Janice asserts herself and she is not taking yeah. any shit. I mean, granted, he's a child. We don't know what this interaction may have looked like if it were an adult, maybe. I don't know. But I'd like to hope it's the same across the board. Yeah. But, but she asserts herself. She's not putting up with this. She's not okay with it. Like, even after she recognizes 
that there may be something more to this kid. Like she's not oblivious to his like oddness at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, she's she's still willing to like lay down the rule of you don't enter my quarters without knocking. And you know, she's like he is physically coming onto her, like manhandling her, and she's willing to smack him. Like there's her fight or flight response is very much fight, and that's yeah. fantastic. Like I really yeah. respect that. Um yeah, it's great. She <laughs> she winds up and uh, and then Charlie kind of loses his shit on Kirk and Spock and throws them against the wall and like um, Kirk's bent over with like what seems to be a really bad case of like <laughs> gastro or something. But anyway, he's in pain and Spock's legs are broken. He broken, mm-hmm. you know, they can't do anything. Um, and Charlie disappears Rand and Janice, she's gone. She's uh, been vaporized. And so it's like, what? <laughs> Mm-hmm. trauma um and kirk asks you know where, where what did you do with her where is she and charlie doesn't say like he refuses to say you know yeah. what's happened to her so again it's like super calculating the tensions just just keeps on ratcheting up because like yep. he hasn't committed to saying that she's dead or gone forever or i'm just yeah. hiding her like it's horrible but he also has just like such weird sort of like you know how you have your superhero taglines and your evil villain taglines like his are so menacing too because he'll yeah. like when he disappears her he basically says something to the effect of you have to be nice yeah very much like you know you kind of think about again like not necessarily the same degree or the same thing but it reminds me of like incels for example where you're really like i'm such a nice person you have to be nice back to me and that's sort of a standard you expect that either is not realistic or is not you know grounded in reality in any way and so just to sort of like use that as your explanation for what's occurred or your rationalization for what's occurred as like you have to be nice is just another degree of menacing like in addition to staying vague and not sort of like being explicit in your threats like mm-hmm. i don't know just it just added to the to the ickiness of it and like he's beginning to admit while he's hurting kirk and spock he's beginning to admit that the enterprise is different than antares and is like more difficult to sabotage and he you know at this point the impression is that he still needs kirk because yeah. he can't he can't do it all on his own and he still needs kirk to take the ship to where it needs to go and Kirk is trying to use that as leverage to get Charlie to be cooperative. But Charlie at that point is, he actually says, and I thought this was interesting, saying that he's not a man and that he can do things they can't, essentially, mm-hmm. which is an interesting thing for him to claim because I think this is the very first time it's been said out loud objectively and like so straightforward that he's not a, a man, which in this circumstance I take to mean human. Yeah, yeah, like right. he's definitely setting himself apart. Like yeah. either like, you know, physically and, and saying like I'm not a human species, but also kind of the implication I got out of it was like I'm a, I'm a god. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not one of you. I have power that you don't have exactly. and are never going to have and the rules don't apply to me the same way. Yep. Um then and, Spock uh, and uh Kirk are silly in our opinion. <laughs> like we, we had a bit of a, a, a nervous chuckle about this, but they try to contain him in a force field. Like right. so over the last few minutes, they've been trying to contain him in his quarters and they like trick him in a very not effective way. Like even the trickery is so like lame for how you got to work. Seriously, guys. So, like, he's just like, this was your plan. He can, like disappear people 
and you know and he like broke Spock's legs quote unquote and then fixed them when Kirk was like look you need me I need Spock let him go yeah um and then their plan is to lure him into a room where they put a little force field over the door so he can't leave and like yeah that's gonna work <laughs> but even the scene where they like guide him into the room that's supposed to be protected by the force field is just yeah. so like I mean, you're building up this tension. You're building up, like, basically, it seems like you're building up to the, you know, the final climactic the boss fight. scene. Yeah. <laughs> and how does it happen? It's just like, oh, you know, like, oh, look, there's, like, something on the table and, like, some unsuspected yeah. victim goes to look at this thing on the table and then they're trapped. Like, yeah. that's the entirety of it. That's how you're choosing to <laughs> trick, you know, this you all-powerful creature. <laughs> but you know what? I would totally fall for that. Like... <laughs> If someone was like, Maybe. oh, after you into the room, I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Shit, I'm in a trap. Like, <laughs> But that was just like, I don't know. I found it like so off the tone of the rest of what's being built up. I know. Like, it's like, here, totally... take a chocolate. It's got poison. <laughs> yeah, like, totally it's off. And then of course, like the force field doesn't work because Charlie's yeah. just like, well, screw the wall and disappears yeah. the wall. And Spock and Kirk are looking at each other. And I'm thinking like, did you, I'm sorry, was this? Was this like, an experiment who, or did you like, actually this? expect this to work? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think this is basically the spark that's inspired to Charlie's like anger. Like he's been on this trajectory all through the episode, but now yeah. like any restraint he was exercising is just gone. Like Iguana yeah. came after a moment of irritation, but now it's just like, he sees people and he's turning them into people who look like they're wearing pantyhose on their face or, you know. Right. Like, yeah, he walks by a group of people who are laughing and we can't see them. They're around the corner, but we can see their shadows and they're laughing and he shrieks, I think, something like, no laughing! Yeah. Um, and then, like, a poor woman, woman. comes yeah. around and she has no face. <laughs> and it's like, it's probably pantyhose. Like, it I mean, the special effects like are, yeah. are kind of tacky in the scene, but it's also just like, Jesus, like, what did you do to them? <laughs> you know, they're effective because they, like, are very, like, oh, that's, like, that's horrible. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. Like, you know, I feel like if you had too smooth or polished a special effect, I feel like it may not have been as totally. impactful. But yeah. yeah, so it totally works. And, you know, you have all, he's basically just anybody he perceives as, you know, giving any sort of attitude to him or any slight that he's perceiving, he's immediately acting on that. He's immediately lashing harming out. whoever it is, exactly lashing out, taking action, exercising his power. Yeah. And at one point, essentially, he's on the bridge and he's like fiddling around with stuff and exercising that control again. And he says also, like, it's, it's my game now. And yeah. continuing to be particularly menacing and like locks the course of the ship to oh, the earth to planet five, earth planet five. five whatever yeah. yeah and huffs off and he's just like yeah it's my my thing you can't do anything about it and there's just like an air of arrogance and cockiness that yeah. adds to the menace and he's just like yeah. angsty teenager <laughs> yeah yeah but then of course kirk our brilliant and brave and wonderful captain space cowboy <laughs> of course he has to i wish someone else had come up with the idea again i don't have enough of a, of the show under my belt to be right by this but you know what i'm gonna be anyway but yeah of course kirk is the one who has to come up with this theory but he like starts to question everyone like do you guys remember him like making anyone disappear anytime recently? Yeah. But, like, like he's hurting them, but he's not making them disappear. Right. Janice then... was the last victim of the disappearing. Exactly. And then Kirk, because he's genius, obviously, he's won at 3D chess, etc. So we have to yeah. he's genius. Yeah. He, he theorizes that it's possible that because Charlie is controlling the ship, that's like exercising all of his abilities. And so you he doesn't have the physical like power to 
also harm people and maybe like the act of disappearing someone is just a very is, is energy draining and so he is basically trying to ask them to take a risk on um basically maxing out all of charlie's capability to the point where he can't do anymore and then he's vulnerable enough for them to mount a response yeah and, and like it sounds super shit. ballsy it sounds it's, super ballsy and it is super ballsy is it yeah. i think it's spock who says something like man like this is intense and kirk's yeah. like we're all dead anyway <laughs> it's yeah. like well you're not wrong <laughs> but you know what an extreme measure like i mean they later on proceed to actually test the theory which i'm glad they do and don't just like sort of jump into it but yeah it's quite an out there theory and you're risking you know like your entire crew yeah somebody life on it yeah yeah um like yeah i don't know it feels very much like you've uh, kirk has sort of boiled it down into like we do this or we don't do this and that's it i'm like bro like i don't know maybe if you gave yourself another couple minutes you might come up with another plan (laughs) he's a genius he's got that's true i mean oh he's so beautiful hey (laughs) yeah okay we'll give it to you there you go um (laughs) so they do it and it's great because i think it's spock and bones bones yeah th- like they all come onto the bridge and then spock and bones are like pushing all the buttons and charlie gets into the Just chair all the buttons and Every kurt's button. like get out of my chair and charlie's like no and then like he's watching spock and bones like push buttons and they get to uhura and she's like pushing all the buttons too and they like push 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 and then they like look over their shoulder like did you see what i did there i pushed all the buttons <laughs> <laughs> and you know charlie is he doesn't necessarily come across as like super obviously nervous but you feel like either, I don't know if this is a self-fulfilling prophecy now that I've seen the end of the episode yeah. and I'm like reading back into something that wasn't there, but it, it seemed like he was a little bit nervous and like yeah. he keeps threatening to, you know, harm everyone, make yeah. everyone disappear, but doesn't actually act on it. And so like it feeds into Kirk's theory and like on some level, like because of the tension that's being built and the pace at which the whole episode's going, like it adds to it that you're getting such a quick resolution on everything. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a jam-packed last five to ten minutes, yeah. right? And so he's like making these threats over and over, and everyone's like jamming at the buttons, and it's like a very tense. And this is, I guess, as much action as we really get so far. <laughs> and then <laughs> you have like it doesn't seem to be a hundred percent effective because I think Charlie basically comes to physically attack Kirk and they get into a scuffle. Yeah. And somehow in the process of this, I imagine Charlie loses control to some point. I don't really fully understand the physics of control, but you know, right. Yeah. Like it's very mysterious and vague, but he loses at least some control over the systems. And so the comms panel is up and I think it's Uhura saying, you know, like, Oh, we're receiving a transmission or something. And someone on the helm is like there's a there's a thing off our port bow or mm-hmm. <laughs> a thing <laughs> um yeah. and janice uh reappears on the bridge right as a um spooky green underwater-ish face materializes on the bridge mm-hmm. i don't it's not even on the screen it's not like it's a transmission it's like there's a ghost well it of starts it. off on the screen so oh, first you, oh, okay. yeah so when they're like it's a message from the thasians you know you have the tv screen in the front of the ship where we've seen all of our amazing special effects in the past right, but yes. essentially it's like the aurora borealis on right. like you know speed or something but yeah twinkling real fast in front of the screen and then after that is when you have like this disembodied green head floaty goop thing come on to the ship and that's when sort of the most uncomfortable part of the show i think for me yeah 
Um, because yeah yeah we know janice is alive so we know that you know whatever this kid has been doing to the people who have disappeared is not like reversible yeah Yeah. but like now like now we're learning that the only way it is reversible is through the interference of these goop people these stations yeah um and this is like charlie sees the face or he sees the ship anyway and um and he starts to to panic and Mm -hmm. it's horrible because he's Mm -hmm. like freaking out and it's just like don't let them take me i don't want to go back there we're friends i'll never do this again Mm -hmm. um like it's desperate it's horrible it's absolutely desperate and he starts apologizing about the antares like he's fully acknowledging essentially everything he's done is not being okay in the efforts of getting them to forgive him enough to not give him back to these things, right. which makes you like think of torture and physical pain and like yeah yeah you know, like I don't all kinds of horrible things yeah like I don't to be honest I didn't really buy his apologies like I to At me all. it was like you're just saying this because you're so desperate to avoid going back with the Thasians you'll say anything mm-hmm. um and that's like scary that's terrifying <laughs> yeah but I feel um, like in that moment the feeling I had was that even if he didn't mean them, he he could mean them if that would get him the freedom because he was right. just so scared that he would yeah. literally do whatever it took to not go yeah. back. And they don't build on, you know, or they don't ever really like fully expand on what that fear could be because of. Because like the percept or like the the impression you have of the Thasians is that they're very put together. And like we have very minimal information about this species beyond what Spock has mentioned earlier about their powers we don't know about like their sort of morality or how they mm-hmm. treat outsiders and like you know like Kirk has a moment of like he's a human we should keep him he should stay with his own kind we can train him to like not use his power because his desperation and fear is is tugging on the heartstrings of Kirk and this and the crew members who this is another really like sort of if you start to think about it interesting perspective because like they've spent you know a couple of days being terrorized by this kid and then as he expresses like such a degree of fear it appeals to all their humanities and like that's again sort of like something that's not unique necessarily but like something that we take a lot of pride in as a species is our empathy and our humanity and you know they're all willing to sort of look past all the crap he's pulled to try and sort of take care of him but the Thasians essentially are like no it's impossible for him to live amongst you because he can't not use his power yeah and that power was basically given to him and is the only reason he's alive that's how he survived those 14 years on Thasis yeah because there's not like there's the you know probes earlier in the episode they're discussing like how could he have possibly survived and and Bones is like you know he could have and Spock's like the probes came back and said there's jack shit down there like there's nothing so there's this mystery of how he survived and we get it answered when this Thasian head explains that like he you know was a baby and he crashed on this planet he was the only survivor we gave him those powers in order to enable him to survive um and you know you get the impression like they've seen into the depths of his soul or something like he's never you're never going to be able to 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 save him from himself or to save yourselves from him kind of thing also raises the question like how much of that power is the identity associated with asians like is he actually human still right Kirk's claim is he belongs with his own kind, but what is his own kind? Like, how much of that power that they gave him is now his identity as, like, a 
as a biological being, right? Like not even thinking about his personality, not thinking about nature versus nurture necessarily. But, but like, like, what has it done to his physiology? <laughs> exactly. Like, what does it make him? Like, is he half human, half Thasian? Is he, you know, human outside and Thasian inside? inside? Like, yeah. at what percentage human do you have to be to be human? Like, especially in the context of what these Starship Enterprise missions are, mm-hmm. often seen or like based on a couple episodes that we've seen and you know they're sort of what is their domain where do they have power who they they protect who do they have like control over or authority over and like in those contexts it's really interesting to think about where does charlie fall on that spectrum or on that in that uh set of circles concentric circles if you want to think about it that way and Mm -hmm. you know like the phasians have just as much right to i guess this you know, creature they've created and raised and lived with for 14 years, perhaps more so than, you know, where he was born or who he was born to. It's like such a gray area too. Like you feel bad for him. You don't want him to be hurt. But again, like he has manipulated them so much. How do you know he's not thinking it? Right. Yeah. Like you just, you can't trust him at all. Mm -hmm. There's no way to really establish a baseline of trust anymore. We've like given him the benefit of the doubt a lot of times because we think of him as being like really sort of- Child. Yeah, not calculating, but then he's shown you also that he is capable of that calculation. So then like, you don't know what to trust either, right? Yeah. Um, What I found interesting, so like the Thaisians say, you know, everything that he did, we've put right. So like Janice is back. That's Mm -hmm. why I kind of assume that like poor lizard Tina is now regular Tina and maybe even Sam's back. I'm hopeful Sam's back. Maybe they fix that big hole in the wall. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, So yeah, I definitely assumed that lizard Tina is now regular Tina. Yeah. but I'm like, okay, you have this like phenomenal cosmic power to bring Janice and Sam back and turn Tina back into a human, but you can't take his power away. You can't take Charlie's power out of Charlie. And so the only solution is to take him back. And yeah. Charlie says like, as the conversation is winding up and he's realizing there's, you know, there's no hope. He says, you know, they're not, they're not even there or something. He mm-hmm. like, he makes it clear that they're just, like ephemeral yeah. ghosts there's nothing to touch yeah he's never you know or he he has no living memory of physically touching a sentient being until he is rescued or you know taken away by the antares right. and then um you know is on uh the enterprise so it's you know it's horrible and you realize yeah like the you know human physical contact he yeah. you know he's had it and he can't go without it but he's gonna have to like <laughs> And it's like also an interesting to me, at least minor callback to what he says to Janice when he sort of is like appealing to her to reciprocate his affections, where he's yeah. talking about like the sense that he gets from her yeah. he doesn't get from Tina or any of the others on the ship, which also makes you like think about what it means to be like grow up and to be an adult yeah. and like how much of our you know formative years or our personalities after they're fully formed is what you know he senses as this semi-thasian semi-human being Mm -hmm. like he's like I can't touch them I can't they can't feel they don't love like how much of this is it basically what distinguishes like you know we talk about consent we talk about um becoming an adult a minor versus adult and like we sort of arbitrarily use 18 as that um boundary for Mm -hmm. switching from one to the other does that also relate to what it is that he senses and what what it is that he sort of like misses and craves in and lacks in his life with the Thasians on 
stasis and like yeah it just goes back to the question that we've already sort of touched on and like how human is he and what are his needs as they relate to the needs of the species that contribute to who what makes up charlie yeah and like how human do you have to be to coexist with humans without it being catastrophic yeah and you know the stations at one point are like we would have saved antares as well but we didn't realize he was gone so he's basically Mm -hmm. run away from home to yeah or his new home to get in this position in the first place and you know like how could they not know he was gone like what is the extent of their power as it relates to his power right there's just a lot of questions that it raises but it doesn't even pretend like it wants to answer and that's kind of respectable and admirable in some senses as well like you don't have to explain everything yeah yeah. right like there's a lot of gray or unanswered questions left but it's still you know it feels complete it's like oh, okay well like he got away and, and mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't matter how except that we caught him and we're taking him back now <laughs> exactly and he goes back and you know you like I think I mentioned earlier on but like you expect clean neat resolutions per episode at least in a lighter-hearted show but you don't get that it's a very song no no like the yeah like the like charlie's you know desperation and please to be you know to to stay like please don't let them take me um like it's it's horrible to watch and and kirk tries to you know say no like he does we can teach him to mm-hmm. to coexist with us we can keep him and the Thasians are just like no like it's not it's, it's not possible. gonna work it's mm-hmm. not possible it's not gonna work we have to take him back and mm-hmm. you know it kind of slowly pans out from the bridge crew and janice is there and it's horrible because it's like you know you've just seen what is a child he is 17 he's mm-hmm. you know and he's just been through this wild ride and has done some horrible things but you know we've just let him be taken back to a planet where he's gonna be alone he'll have the Thasians, but he's not gonna have human contact like and a planet that sort of has led to him being who he was on the ship right yeah contributed to his outbursts and contributed to his anger issues and his insecurities and like that's all valid like not to excuse his behavior but there's obviously sort of a source for why that happens right right? yeah yeah so it's like a very very not a dark place necessarily but like a very somber for lack of a better word yeah tone to end it on and actually I'm curious from your experience having watched the show previously like I guess not really a spoiler do we ever revisit the same planets I'm trying to remember it's been a while since mm-hmm. I've watched. Um, from what I remember, the episodes are pretty self-contained. Um, mm-hmm. I guess we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll find out if that's true or not. Um, and like in this example, I don't you know I don't think we ever come back to right. to Charlie and the Thasians. Um, yeah, because also like if we were to go on the basis of the previous episode where they do like annual health checks on humans, mm. would he qualify? right yeah i don't know <laughs> well, if they haven't seen him for 14 years no but is that yeah. just because they didn't know where to look yeah or that they didn't know that he was alive that you know it was presumed nobody was alive on Thesia. yeah so that's that's this episode and i feel like yeah. more so than previous ones it's hard to joke about the end in any way yeah 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 it was yeah. uncomfortable but like not in a way that i don't want to be if that makes sense like I'm okay being comfortable in this way yeah it wasn't um uh like off-putting 
it it was more just like okay it's you're gonna you're you're challenged a bit you're mm-hmm. you're challenged to feel something and to think about it mm-hmm. um and there is no happy ending and so you can't just be like oh okay well you know it all worked out like no it didn't work out for yeah for charlie and, and you know and the crew members have also been through some pretty traumatic shit exactly. um so they aren't exactly you know coming out the other end smelling like daisies either <laughs> like, no um everybody's beaten up and like it's an interesting sort of like again i have no idea what to expect with the future episodes but it's like an interesting sort of space to occupy in the beginning of a show and like yeah. a way to position yourself because now you know my expectation as a new viewer is I'm expecting like this level of you know everything this level of intensity this level of like comedy if there is any (laughs) level of like character development or lack thereof but like it sets the tone right it sets the tone um I'm not sure if it maintains that tone (laughs) or um triples I don't know if you're familiar with triples (laughs) (laughs) that sound familiar aren't they aren't they uh aren't they like little fluffball things but yeah that's a that's a great episode (laughs) well I guess we'll find out but like this is a pretty intense tone to take again if you think about it in the context of like how it would have been aired and yeah meant to be consumed like episode two this is yeah. this is a heavy note to hit on episode yeah two. pretty heavy right um yeah um so normally at this point we would pick an arbitrary rating so what would you like for us to rate on today i will let you pick today <laughs> um man i mean the first thing that popped into my head was um lizard tina's but maybe i was gonna <laughs> say <laughs> okay on a scale of one to five lizard tinas um what would you how many lizard tinas would you give this episode i actually really liked it this would be like four and a half lizard tinas and then the yeah. half the lizard tina can regenerate a tail or something i don't know like <laughs> practically all the tinas yep yeah um, I'm, I'm i really I'm, enjoyed it yeah me too. Um, I agree. It's going to be four and a half, and the poor half lizard is in the process of regenerating his tail. He got a little stumpy tail. She got a little yeah. stumpy tail. Yeah, yeah, totally. And like, I don't know. There's a lot of potential based on this episode, which may be a bad thing, maybe a good thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll find out with subsequent episodes. But there wasn't a lot about this. There was actually. I can't think of a single thing. I think in most of our conversations so far, we found something that's a little bit like. Yeah, not great, and I can't really think of anything. Maybe beyond that, Uhura singing scene for me personally. Yeah, there wasn't really much that like you know draws away from what this intends to be or hopes to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was it was a very I wouldn't enjoyable scenes like such a like blah word to use in the context <laughs> of something so emotional, but yeah. it was it was an experience that I I'm glad I had. Like I, yeah. I enjoyed watching it for mm-hmm. genuinely lack of a better description so yeah that's episode three Woot! sounds like this is going to be a long one <laughs> but you know you gotta say what you gotta say exactly um, we had to lay it all out and yeah. we did and yeah. there we go no apologies this is this is the thing and so yeah if you enjoyed this please subscribe and do the review thing and all of that fun stuff and we're going through the show in order so you know if if you want to keep along and know what we're talking about beyond our convoluted plot retellings <laughs> definitely watch episode four in preparation for the next episode yeah 
Um, or you can just wait until we come out with the next episode and enjoy it vicariously through us. I, and like, take you know. what we say as the truth. The <laughs> An truth. accurate retelling of yes. the great epic Star yes. Trek, the original series. And if the show um, deters from, or if your, you know, your synopses that you come across or your version of the show, it's the wrong version. You have to, you have to get that checked out because yeah. what we're telling you is, is the real is version. canon. We're, yeah. we're, we're canon. There we go. <laughs> Pretty much. I would actually be open to in future episodes coming up with even less of a canon version of the plot to see if anyone catches on. <laughs> um i'm down uh yeah. you know we could have like a crossover episode and see if anybody yeah. notices <laughs> just just start telling our own story how much of this is actually from the show and how much of it is completely made up just Can you, you wait um luke skywalker is gonna show up at one point <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> all right thanks for listening thanks bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.